Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about Israel and Texas and Colorado. Seems that Israel is a hot topic all over the country, and one of our friends from Texas actually contacted Chuck Carlson, and she was going to go to the Capitol and to protest the Texas Israel Day, and I'm going to have Leslie read just a few paragraphs of her letter here to give you a little bit of flavor of what she was doing. And then we're going to switch gears and go to Colorado, talk a little bit about Chuck's latest article to the governor of Colorado about the Israeli junk bonds that the state of Colorado has signed into law by the the governor. And so we want to sort of tie these two together. So Leslie, why don't you read uh, from... Report from Occupied Territory, Texas, Israel. As the old saying goes, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. Little did I know back in 1989 that the famed Republic of Texas was gradually coming under the influence of a surreptitious foreign influence, Israel. That scab of ignorance was painfully and suddenly ripped off last week when I became aware that the Texas State Legislature would be recognizing May 8th officially as Texas-Israel Day. My shock and revulsion led to deep anger. How could this be happening to the Lone Star State? If you are reading this and saying, well, I don't live in Texas or even the U.S., what does this have to do with me? I would say, everything, partner. Texas is definitely not the only state or country that is experiencing the serpent-like infiltration and subversion of the Jewish power agenda. Our main goal in protesting Texas Israel Day was to inform and educate people as to the undue influence of an untrustworthy foreign country over the state and how our slithering politicians are embracing this with open arms. The flyers we passed out stated, you must learn the truth about Israel's influence on America and the world. Our signs included messages such as, no wars for Israel, no Texas contracts to Israeli companies. Israel is not our friend, listed USS Liberty Attack, Lavon Affair, etc. They must have had that on their signs, mm-hmm. and I guess what that, what that mm-hmm. meant. Uh, yes. Yeah, remember the USS Liberty Attack, yes. Learn about the real Israel listed top internet sites, excerpts from Washington's farewell address, warning of about the dangers of foreign entanglements. How did people respond, you ask? There were a variety of interesting reactions. This is where it becomes very telling. In general, 
the most receptive or already aware were young people, minorities, Europeans, and near and far Easterners. The stereotypical average Texan was horrifyingly not interested and sometimes seemed to shy away from our engagement with trembling and revulsion. I can't tell you how many times when asking people if they were interested in learning about Texas Israel Day and the true Israel, they nonchalantly and apathetically said no. Period. End of story. But the obnoxious and arrogant prize definitely went to the constant stream of dapper dans in all their suit and tie glory. When the same questions were asked of them, they simply pretended that we did not exist and scurried on to their highfalutin and imperious way. Of course, they had deals to cut, Texans to sell out, and boots to lick. They couldn't be bothered with hard-hitting truth. We encountered those who were curious, receptive, supportive, and appreciative. That was encouraging. We also encountered those that were disinterested, disapproving, or in denial. Not surprising. Okay, that was by Lisa Webb. That's just a portion of her letter, and we'll have that posted. So our hats off, and we hold these truths to what Lisa did, and we now want to switch gears to what Chuck has been working on in Colorado, recent legislation. Chuck, I'm going to have Leslie read a few paragraphs from your letter, open letter to the governor that kind of gives us a synopsis of what you're trying to do here, and then you can fill in afterwards. New Colorado law, many states tout Israeli junk bonds posted by Charles D. Carlson, May 10, 2013. Dear Honorable Governor John Hickenlooper, I have just learned, sadly, that you signed into law SB 13-176 ostensibly to allow the Colorado State Treasury to invest taxpayer money in Israeli bonds. This law will harm Colorado's hardworking citizens including a half million state employees and retirees. About half our states now have similar laws resulting from a foreign lobby at work behind the scenes in our legislatures. At the very time when astute investors are fleeing from risk bond investment, you have endorsed the scheme to sell Israel's debt to taxpayers. This bill has the effect of encouraging investment in bonds that are rated only a little higher than junk bonds. For good reason, the state of Colorado is not allowed to issue debt. Why would you legitimize the purchase of another country's indebtedness knowing that that country already owes about $50 billion to Americans? Colorado is not the first state to be duped in this way. Israel's history is well known, but not well publicized. I have written and sent to you and to legislators three papers in which I described Israel's abysmal credit history and how unwise and unfair it would be to invest Colorado citizens' money in either shekel-denominated or quasi-counterfeit dollar-denominated I-dollar Israeli bonds. 
Why is Israel selling bonds payable in our currency instead of their own? What is the real risk in Israeli investment, especially in I-dollar bonds? For comparison, Israel's A-plus rating is only three notches above Mexico, and it's five notches below Norway. Israel and Mexico both have records of multiple devaluations that cost investors and bank account owners dearly. Israel's bad credit history has even been referenced by Israeli newspaper Haaretz in Requiem of the Shekel. Israel is selling bonds repayable in dollars, but it cannot print dollars, so Israel must sell a new bond to pay off each old one that matures. A classic Ponzi scheme. When the outstanding amount exceeds the volume of new bond sales, default will be Israel's most advantageous course to take. And buyers have no legal way to collect against the foreign sovereign state. Israel can default at will and walk. Every Ponzi scheme relies on a big lie to sell it. The Israeli bond sellers lobby and the House sponsors of this bill have repeatedly misled legislators by stating, quote, Israel has never defaulted on an interest or principal payment, unquote. But while Israel may have sent out checks when due, it is now on its third currency, the first two of which were devalued to worthless and latest being the old shekel in 1985. This means that investors got checks, but the stamps on the envelopes were worth more than the checks inside. SB 13-176 is part of an international scheme to fund a militaristic foreign state. The fiscally irresponsible legislature shows the pressure from Israel's lobbies and seems unable to recognize a counterfeiting scheme. They, like you, fail to study this bill or listen to the recorded testimony given by myself and others. Each of my papers was sent to your attention, but there was no response from you or your staff. Among the first victims of this bill will be some 500,000 Colorado Public Employee Retirement Association members which has already admitted to purchasing Israeli bonds with its retirement funds. Other victims will be the middle-class folks who invest in managed IRAs and a host of individuals who misguidedly buy I-dollar bonds because the legislature and the governor have put their endorsement on them. Okay, well, thanks for reading that, Leslie, and thank you, Chuck. Uh, it almost sounds like you would have all the legislature against you, but something miraculous happened. You might talk about the article here, Chuck, and what is actually you've had a response from a legislator. Well, actually, we had the governor's office check in and ask to be put on our mailing list. So that's uh, progress. We know that at least it was his aide, his chief aide, I think. And, and we also had one legislator who also contacted us, but, of course, we're keeping that in confidence because uh, we don't have any permission to disclose identities there of friendly legislators who are concerned about this. The big issue uh, with the I-dollar bonds, we call them I-dollar bonds, meaning Israeli dollar-issued bonds. Israel also issues bonds in shekel denominations, and they have about $50 billion of each one outstanding. 
So between there are two obligations, the ones that are payable in shekels to probably to Israelis, and those pay, payable to American citizens in dollars. They have over $100 billion by their own claims, outstanding, and this, most of this has happened in the most very recent years. So what we have is a mushrooming of backing out of our economy of dollars to pay for Israel's war machine. And people have no concept of how much money is really involved. We know people, we have good friends who have been complaining for many years that we give Israel, I think it's $3.1 billion a year in foreign aid. Is that about right? I, I think that figure is sort of correct. Yes, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's on the surface, yes, anyway. Most of that comes down in the form of military goods that, are, that is actually a subsidy for the U.S. military establishment. In other words, Israel gets paid in weapons, and uh, the military establishment in the USA gets paid the money for making the weapons. So Israel, of course, uses those weapons directly in its occupation of the Palestinian people. But when you compare the amount of money that they're raising by selling bonds to American citizens that they have no real good incentive to ever pay off, the numbers are something like at least 10 to 1, maybe 20 to 1, probably accelerating. We don't know how much of this $50 billion happened last year and how much is happening this year, but uh, it's, it's growing very, very rapidly, and Israel has this giant marketing scheme going on in the country where they're actively marketing bonds in the states where the states are getting the legislator to pass these bills. And, and I've told people, every Israeli bond salesman will carry a copy of this bill with him, and when he sits down with a pension fund or a profit-sharing fund, it may have your IRA in it, or a bank maybe even, who is managing money, uh, and tells them this pays twice as much as U.S. Treasury bonds, and it's got to be as good as gold. Look what your legislature says about these, these issues. This is exactly what this whole scheme is all about, and uh, we hope that this is something that will get the attention of people who can't quite focus on Israel's abuse of the Palestinian people, who can't quite comprehend the occupation or systematic murder or the shooting of children with rubber bullets uh, or, or any of these things that Israel simply denies. But we don't think they can deny the existence of, a, of $50 billion of indebtedness to Americans that they have no real responsibility whatsoever to pay and, and, are, and is totally uncollectible. It's almost as though I would be allowed to write uh, checks on Craig's checkbook or something like that. They, no, wait, wait a second, Chuck. Wait a second. That's getting, that's getting too personal, Chuck. Hey, uh, question before – this is Craig again. Uh, what kind of opposition was there in the Colorado legislature against this this bill that the governor signed? Was it 50-50, or what, what, what kind of uh, response did it have going through the legislature? There was absolutely no resistance to it except for – a handful of people who, of, which I, of whom I was one, and until uh, I heard about this in March, uh, there had never even, to my knowledge, been a factual study done on Israel's credit history. There is no piece of paper floating around in America that, that explains that Israel has devalued its currency many times and has dumped two currencies. This is totally unknown. So the efforts that took place in the legislature to try to stop this consisted of about 25 people who went down and testified, 
and of, of, of which I was the only one to write a paper on it. I wrote these three papers during the course of it. So there, there has been virtually no resistance to this. It's just a, it's been a walkthrough. The Israeli lobby simply puts up these pieces of legislation. They then lobby leading legislators to carry the paper on through. They then explain how good Israel's credit is, how they've never defaulted on a bond or, or missed an interest payment. And, uh, and, and it's all sold on the basis of we're only giving another choice to the legislature. We're giving the treasurer of the state another choice of how to invest his money in the interest of the uh, taxpayers. And no one ever points out that uh, the real target is not the legislature's money uh, or the uh, treasurer's money for reasons that are explained in some of my papers, but it's actually the, uh, the, the pension funds that look to the treasurer as being a, source, a good source of credit. Out of really? the 99 legislators in the House and Senate, how many voted against? Four in the House of Representatives, and I think there were two in the Senate. Pocketbook interests exceed human rights interests and all these things. It's the, the economic interests that might wake people up. So this has the potential to wake people up because it could affect their pocketbooks. And, you know, there were people that were, as Chuck has pointed out in previous papers, that were trying to say that because of the policies of Israel against the Palestinians, that there should be some human rights interest there. But that's practically non-existent. The only way to really fight something like this is based on, on economics. We saw Christian Zionists, a prominent Christian Zionist pastor, uh, testified in favor of the legislation, which we know they would do because anything Israel does is okay. Guys, I was just going to say that was my big, um, I want to say fear, but that's what came out of that Roseville uh, meeting is that they just kept hammering and hammering, support your politicians, support the politicians that support Israel, dot, 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 on and on and on and on, just so that these things could go through with no resistance. Exactly, Craig. And uh, of the people who did testify, the 23 people who testified, I think in both cases and there were only 10 at the uh, 10 or so at the last uh, at the last session I went to, but uh, they had good testimony. But almost entirely, they were basing their testimony on uh, humanitarian uh, topics. You know, it's it's wrong to uh, give money to Israel. The money should be kept in the state because Israel because of the way Israel uses the money. And, uh, well, I agree with, uh, certainly agree with that view. I was the only one who actually brought up the possibility that Israel could default, that the people might not get paid back their money, that Israel might not even intend to pay the money back, and that, it, that if they didn't want to, they didn't have to. They have no, they have no requirement to pay it back because uh, they're issuing their debt in another currency and they still have their shekel currency outstanding so if they default on dollar bonds uh, the shekel the shekel would probably go up in the world currency market if they defaulted on dollar bonds their, their, their balance sheet would look better uh, so quote Will Rogers wasn't it Will Rogers that said I'm not as concerned as the return on my money as the return of my money yeah of my money so I, I think by opening this subject to the issue of there really uh, being a credit problem 
and a credit likelihood. We've had rather astonishing responses from people, a couple of them Jewish people, uh, who told me that their parents had invested in Israeli bonds years ago. And they didn't know what happened or much about it, but they were horrified to look at the financial statistics. And, and by the way, Jewish guys have a tendency to be able to, to, to see through financial things. And, and they, they have, have indicated to me that they were stunned at the financial history of Israel's currency, as well as the uh, enormous amount of debt relative to Israel's resources, which are nil. Israel, you know, Israel has no real natural resource base. Mexico's natural resource base is many times Israel's, if you, if you just look at natural resources and, and productive resources. And, and Mexico has about the same default history as uh, Israel. They've defaulted about the same number of times, roughly. Uh, the peso is, not, is, not, is rated B, and Israel's bonds get an A-plus rating, which is, uh, which is a fifth, fifth down rating. But again, the rating agencies uh, are, are now themselves being challenged. One of them is being sued for fraud by the uh, Justice Department to the tune of $5 million for passing out phony ratings to companies and countries that didn't deserve it during the credit crash. So the, the risk of Israeli bonds is really what we are trying to point out here, not because that's by any means uh, the thing that's in our heart when it comes to the Palestinian people, but because it's something that nobody's thought about. They seem to have never even entered their head to even think of the possibility that these are not a good investment. And who's going to bail out the uh, pension funds when the Israelis default? Right. It'll be the uh, taxpayers, of course, and maybe not at all. A lot of pension funds are, are, are under a lot of pressure right now because they had done business with Lehman Brothers. The Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy, went out of business, took a bailout to cover the immediate losses, but the bankruptcy attorneys are now suing dozens of pension funds, colleges, all kinds of even tax-exempt organizations who they have a, a lien against to pay back the uh, money that they actually got when Lehman was bailed out. So, yeah, you're right, Craig. If Israel defaults on these bonds, of course, you and I know what will happen. Uh, the, the federal government will be simply asked if they won't step in and take Israel's place guaranteeing these, these uh, dollar bonds. But whether or not that will happen, we don't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully that wouldn't happen. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for your input. This was a fascinating story to, or stories, and there is definitely a concerted effort to promote Israel throughout our country, and it does show something very unique that no other country in the world has this influence and power here in the United States. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of 
Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.